This is Tech Transforms. I'm Carolyn Ford. Each week, Mark Sinell and I talk with top influencers to explore how the U.S. government is harnessing the power of technology to solve complex challenges and improve our lives. Hi, thanks for joining us on Tech Transforms, a podcast sponsored by Dynatrace. I'm Carolyn Ford, flying solo this week, but Mark will be back soon. This week, Bob Stevens, Area Vice President, Public Sector at GitLab, is joining me. Bob is a seasoned veteran in public sector technology with over 25 years of experience. As the AVP at GitLab, he is responsible for helping government organizations become more productive, efficient, and effective. And Bob also has experience on both the industry and the government side of things. Prior to industry, he served in the United States Air Force as a computer specialist at the White House Communications Agency. And I am excited today to dive in and talk about the ways that we can use DevOps to modernize and secure government IT and what the outlook for DevOps is. Welcome to Tech Transforms, Bob. Thank you. Happy to be here. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, you know, the weather's getting better in D.C., so, you know, it's uh, it's good to see the sun from time to time um, versus what we've had. But, uh, you know, yeah, doing fantastic. Well, good to hear it. So let's just dive in and let's walk through what DevOps is and why implementing these practices is critical to helping modernize and improve government IT. Great. So I guess DevOps is, uh, you know, it's... Uh, you know, combining efficiency, speed, uh, and security all into one, um, and, uh, and, and creating software, uh, at what I like to refer to as the speed of mission, uh, for the government, you know, on the business side, it's a little different, but, uh, for the government, it's all about the mission, uh, and being able to accomplish the mission, um, faster, uh, and stay ahead of our adversaries, uh, you know, in, in, uh, in the case of DOD, uh, and on the civilian side is to ensure that, um, you know, all of the citizens that any uh, given agency supports um, gets the best possible support that they can. Um, if you look at uh, organizations like the Veterans Administration, you can imagine they've got a lot of applications that they've written to help uh, help the vets uh, accomplish what they need to accomplish in a timely manner. Um, and so uh, DevOps um, really will help them, you know, uh, to produce the software uh, at speed, more securely, uh, more efficiently, uh, and um, and pro- uh, provide the most um, uh, or the best service that they possibly can um, to to all of the all the veterans out there. Um, just as as one example. So, you know, Tech Transforms is vendor agnostic. And I would love for you to just take a couple of minutes and talk about how GitLab helps with that and just what what GitLab does. Like I've read the marketing statement and it's a little nebulous for me. I would love to have you explain what GitLab does and how, how it's helping agencies achieve this. Yeah, so there's there's several areas that uh, that get. Well, I appreciate that that you're you're letting me do this in a vendor agnostic uh, community, <laughs> right? I mean, there are a lot of tools that are required to produce software, right? Um, um, yeah. But uh, you know the the way that the industry or the the government in particular is heading, uh, and you can see this in some of the articles that like DoD has recently released, right? Is they're looking for one platform. 
uh, for the, to, to, that encompasses the entire software development lifecycle. Um, you know, as you can imagine right now, you know, I know agencies that have, you know, anywhere from 14 to 20 different tools uh, that they're using. Uh, and the issue with that is that, um, you know, there's developers that like the tool that they like, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so they mm-hmm. bring their own uh, and they develop their portion of the software. Uh, unfortunately, when it all comes together, it doesn't always work, right? Because they've used different tools, uh, you know, um, across the, the um, development organization. Uh, and so, you know, with the, with the use of a single platform, you can ensure that at the end, everything is going to work. Um, and the nice thing is you can continue to bring some of those other tools uh, because they integrate with the platform. Uh, you know, just as an example, JIRA, you know, the government's using a lot of JIRA uh, and JIRA integrates with GitLab um, so that, uh, you know, you can use them seamlessly together. Um, so the folks that or the developers that are using, you know, their favorite tool can continue to use some of those. It's just that, you know, it, it's going to be more efficient because in the end, you're going to have uh, you know, a, 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 an application that works, you know, out of the box. Um, okay. It, and also um, what uh, uh, GitLab is trying to, well, does address, right, is moving security to the left. Uh, you know, you know, developers are a lot of times at odds with security folks because developers are tasked with developing code fast, right? And they want to get it done quickly. Right. And security folks want it to be done securely. Um, and so sometimes the two collide. Um, but when you're building a single f- platform and you're all, you allow uh, or you have the ability to move security to the left, which means, you know, when I check in a line of code, uh, I'm going to do a security scan to make sure that I didn't somehow introduce a vulnerability. And if I did, I could fix it immediately um, rather than waiting until the end of the process uh, and then running security st- scans uh, and realizing I may have to go back through hundreds of lines or thousands of lines of code to figure out where that vulnerability was introduced uh, and and do the repair. Um, so um, the other thing that I'll tell you is visibility. Uh, so not everyone has to be a developer to use uh, the platform or GitLab. Uh, you know, you can be in the executive branch and um, know nothing about how to how to you know write code. Uh, but you can see the process uh, uh, during the whole time and, and you can ensure that um, what's being produced uh, is going to best meet the requirements of the people that it's being produced for. Uh, and you don't have to wait till the end, right, to, to produce the app. You know, the, the users start using it and they're like, oh, my God, this is not the way that I wanted this to work or this doesn't work for me or I would have been nice to do this. You know, it can be integrated during the process. Um, so that um, uh, you can make sure that it, that the application is is usable uh, in the end. Yeah, that was so, a, sorry, that was a long winded answer for you. So no, I actually what you just said helps me understand what GitLab does uh, a lot more than any reading I was going to do on my own, and mm-hmm. it certainly sounds like a smarter way to do things. So you've written many articles, and often you talk about. Um, the need for this, for DevOps, DevSecOps, a big part of it is just cultural. And so is that starting at the CIO level? And if so, what are CIOs doing um, right now? So, I mean, 
first of all, I have empathy for CIOs, right? Because they have so much thrown at them right now. Uh, it's incredible. Um, I actually don't know how they are able to get as much done as they as they do. Uh, but having said that, uh, I think most CIOs know that they need to move away from the legacy development um, waterfall uh, um, uh, to the you know the agile uh, software development uh, world. Um, and I think they're making gains towards that. It, you know, nothing in the government moves quickly, um, but moving to agile, it, it does require a cultural shift. And that's where the CIO or, or the CISO plays a very important role because um, they've got to convince the organization uh, that failure is okay. Right? Mm. Um, because when you fast fail, you actually make more progress. Uh, than waiting to the end, uh, which is a cultural shift for any organization. Um, and so it actually, that, that shift has to start at the CIO level. Um, it can't, you know, it can't start at the lower levels. Um, you know, they've got to, lower levels have got to be empowered, right, to, to um, fast fail, to experiment uh, in order to produce the best possible software uh, application that they can. So you talk about this in an article that I just read, um, modernizing and securing government IT through DevOps. You say that federal CIOs embarking on a DevOps journey should embrace continuous integration, continuous delivery pipelines to reduce tool chain complexity, management, and maintenance. What can CIOs, CISOs do to embrace that statement? Because that's, I mean, that's, like you said, that's a lot. (laughs) It is, yes. And unfortunately, they have many more mandates uh, coming at them from, you know, OMB and, uh, well, NIST, uh, uh, even though NIST doesn't generally put out mandates, more guidance, uh, but, you know, they're, they're starting to, to come forward with a, a few more mandates. And uh, so I don't know how they're, keep, like I said, how they're keeping up with it. Um, they're mm-hmm. doing the best that they can. But yeah, the, the um, uh, it, it is, like I said, it's the cultural shift that needs to occur um, for the development, uh, life cycle. Uh, it's also the building of the platform. Um, you know, and, and I, I say this often, you know, it's not really the money, right. That, uh, I, I think that, uh, that CIOs can find money to buy tools. Uh, I, I think it is more of the resources and the cultural shift that, that, uh, that needs to occur. And that's where the CIO can really have the influence, right. Is to be able to provide the resources, be able to have the backing, uh, you know, at that level um, for uh, experimentation and and uh, and fast failure, um, and uh, and you know, it's not necessarily because you know they can get like the technology modernization fund, right? I mean, uh, upgrading your DevOps um, world uh, is modernization, um, mm-hmm. so they can tap into funds. Uh, it's really the other things that need to be considered uh, for the for the shift um, to the to the new DevOps environment. Mm-hmm. So. Do you have any good use cases or stories that you can talk about where you've seen this shift happen mm-hmm. and, and this DevOps, this new kind of process, this agile process be implemented? Yeah, sure. I, you know, I'm going to go back to my Air Force roots, right? Um, uh, which makes me proud. And so, you know, the building of Platform One uh, was, was a huge shift. Uh, and as a result, uh, you know, the Air Force is able to produce software so much faster than they were. And when they produce the applications in the end, um, they, they're, you know, they're closer to what the user needs 
in order to do their job. Because who better to inform the developer about what's required than the person that's going to use the application, right? Amen. Uh, yes. yes. <laughs> like, as an example, right, the, you know, there's a lot, you can imagine there's a lot of software in the F35, um, just tons of software. Uh, so who's the best person to tell the app developer what they need for uh, for flying that uh, that jet? It's the pilot, right? So if they can participate in the DevOps um, process, uh, and, and they can uh, in the way that things are designed uh, in Platform One, then... Um, you know, it's going to be a more efficient use. Okay, uh, you just said something about platform one that made some light bulbs go off for me. Mm-hmm. I, you know, that term gets thrown around a lot. I use it a lot. I didn't understand that the end user was involved that way. Oh yeah, the, I mean that's the beauty of a building a platform or or using a tool like GetLab, right? They have yeah. the vis- they have the visibility. They can see the software as it's being developed. Uh, and can have input. And do uh, they participate? They do participate? Like they'll look at it and say, no, that's not going to work? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And that's how you can take, you know, the use of an application from, you know, you know, months or a year down to weeks or days. Uh, You know, the modification of a software package can be done in hours um, versus uh, the way that it was done in the past. So um, it's just a, a lot more efficient uh, way to be able to produce, you know, and a usable application in the end. Okay. My mind's still spinning on this end user can say, no, that's not going to work. <laughs> so for them to participate, are they actually using the end result in, in, you know, somehow? So they use it the way they would really use it in the field, like through a simulator or something. So they can test it kind of real life. And then, I mean, how, how does the pilot mm-hmm. test and give feedback? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's uh, well, a couple of ways. First of all, they, they have the visibility. They see the code being uh, written, although they don't necessarily need to understand what each line is, right, uh, or how to write it. Right, well, um, because I would think the pilots, that's like, that yeah. wouldn't mean anything to them. Yeah, they can see this. Like you said, they can see the simulation, uh, mm-hmm. but they can also see or respond to questions from the developer about, you know, uh, and see what the developer is thinking uh, Mm. in regard to, you know, uh, what they're producing. Um, So all that's valuable information uh, for them to be able to provide feedback. uh, So that again, you know, in the end, the application works uh, as, uh, as expected uh, and meets the requirement and the mission, right? It's all, it's all about the mission. So I just, I'm trying to imagine, sorry, Top Gun here. Mm-hmm. Like spending time answering questions in a chat room about something developers doing. Is that part of their job description? Like every hour or every day they spend an hour responding to developers? How does that work? Well, well let me tell you, probably not, but you know, the, the, uh, I will, I'll say that uh, several years ago, it's a, it a little short story for you. Several years ago, uh, I was uh, in, in in a meeting where uh, a very high level person in the air force said, everybody, every airman, uh, will be a developer. Uh, and I thought they were crazy, absolutely crazy. Um, but by producing a platform that allows them to participate, right? Not necessarily write code, but participate. Um, they can all be uh, developers uh, in a manner of speaking. Uh, and so I think that the Air Force has been able to come as close to accomplishing that as uh, as you possibly can. 
um, which of course, again, makes, makes me proud. Right. And that's not to say the other um, branches aren't doing the same thing. They are. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just, you know, the air force was kind of out in front, out in front of the, uh, of the other uh, branches. Yeah. I have a whole new respect for platform one now. I, I really did not understand that everybody was participating like that. And yeah, and I and I have to point out Top Gun is the Navy, not the Air Force. So it's a, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, so in the same article that I referenced earlier, um, back to Air Force, you talk about Master Sergeant James Crocker. I don't know if you want to share his handle. Guido. Yeah, he goes by Guido. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So some of like his story and some of the stats that you shared with his story were pretty like beyond impressive. I mean, they're almost like you say that a hundred years of program time and software release timelines were reduced from, you know, you went from three to eight months for that cycle to just one week. Yeah. And I mean, it's a great story and uh, he's, you know, he's built a great software factory uh, and he continues to run it today. Uh, and, you know, he is a strong, strong advocate uh, for for a DevOps platform. Uh, and he's proven that it will work. Uh, you know, he continues to do that every day. And uh, and again, you know, he 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 is, you know, established the bar for speed to mission. Right. And mm-hmm. uh, and what they've been able to do there. And, uh, you know, we're going to continue to support him uh, and uh, get him whatever whatever he needs uh, to be able to help uh, produce uh you know, the, the, um, the applications, uh, the way that they have been for, for a few years now. So, yeah. Um, so I want to revisit what you said about a culture of failing fast. Mm-hmm. Was he kind of a leader in that? Because to me, like, that's not something that you, that gets advertised about any of our defense agencies, um, that you would brag that, yeah, we're, we fail all the time. That's part of our goal. It's part of our objective. So how did, if he was one of the first to embrace that or, or how does that get embraced? I would imagine it's still resisted a lot to fail. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, especially in the U S right. You know, the word failure is bad, but, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, but, but it's how we learn, uh, and it's how we move forward rapidly and you know, rapidly, uh, you know, I, even in, you know, I mean, you know, I'm in, I'm in sales, right? I'm chartered with selling to the government. And, uh, you know, I, I'm always telling the team, you know, whenever they're involved in an opportunity, is, this is like fast fail, right? If it's not really a, an opportunity to move on because, you know, you're going to waste your time. Uh, mm-hmm. And frankly, and frankly, you're wasting the government's time. So stop wasting their time, right? So, mm-hmm. um, so you know, it is, it is a big shift, Uh and, but, uh, you know, like I said, you know, Guido's definitely one of the people in the military, uh, the Air Force that embraced it. Uh, you know, he also had uh, support from uh, executives, uh, which, which, uh, which is required, uh, you know, across the Air Force. So, um, you know, it is, it's a great story. Uh, and, and I'm glad it's public so that I can talk about it. <laughs> yeah, me too. So what do you think the future of DevOps looks like? Um, you know, it gets back to the building of the platform, right? Uh, where you know all tools are integrated, and there's no more BYOD or bring or not BYOD, bring your own uh, tool, right? <laughs> BYOD device. <laughs> I, I, I knew you weren't saying BYOB. 
Right. Although maybe we should. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's really, uh, you know, getting, you know, the, the teams to collaborate, you know, here's another great example of what the air force has done, right. They, they've put software factories, uh, in downtown in cities, you know, Austin, Salt Lake, you know, many others, uh, where they can, um, uh, find and retain top talent, uh, mm. which, which I think is, is genius. And they've given them an environment that they, they enjoy working in. Right. I mean, Honestly, you know, some of the bases, they're old, the buildings are old, you know, nobody wants to go to them. Um, but, you know, if you can go to this nice fancy office in downtown Salt Lake City, then, you know, you're going to be a much happier person and more likely to show up uh, and, and be productive. So, um, so I think that's another thing that, um, you know, DOD has, has embraced is, um, is, uh, is where they're building the factories uh, and the, the talent that they're able to, uh, you know, um, attract and retain as a result of that. Do they embrace or do they allow remote work in these software factories or does it all have to be on-prem? Yeah, they do. And that's, a, that's another great thing to point out is, you know, you, you know, a couple, three years ago, if you'd said to me that the DOD was going to allow people to work at home, I'd say you were crazy, right? It's never, never going to happen. Right. But of course, the, but the pandemic, you know, forced the issue uh, and now DOD has embraced it. I think that what they found is that uh, folks are, you know, more, perhaps more productive uh, than, you know, having to commute, right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and being in an office, uh, and so, uh, you know, I, a lot of good positive lessons learned as a result of remote work. Uh, and, and I think that it's going to continue. Um, you know, I, I don't know if you know this, but GitLab is, is, is hundred percent remote. Um, so uh, and, how know, long is that just because of the pandemic or has that been a while now? No, it's pretty much, uh, since inception, we did have an office for a few short months, uh, which was, was closed. Uh, and, and, uh, and I think that was about six or seven years ago now. Um, wow. so yes. So, uh, you know, we're quite, quite proud of, uh, of being an all remote company and, uh, and the way that we've made that work. And I, and, um, and there's been a lot of papers written on it. There's a lot of great information, uh, on our website, um, that can help, um, organizations understand what it takes to be an all remote company. Um, but you know, one of the strong benefits from it is, you know, if I'm looking for somebody with development, um, skills, they can be anywhere in the world. They don't have to be. Exactly. Right. You open up your talent pool just Mm -hmm. exponentially. And I've worked remote for 10 years and I've had to jump through the hoops and every year, like fill out the paperwork. And, and I've worked in government supporting the government mission for over a decade. And it, it was a battle until the last two years. And now it's, you know, everybody gets it. But it's interesting because there's this movement right now to go to get people back into the office. And I'm just wondering what's that, what that's going to do to talent retention, quite honestly. If somebody had told me I had to go back into the office, I don't, I don't think I would do it, Bob. (laughs) <laughs> well, I think there's a negotiation that's occurring now, right? Based on what I'm hearing, uh, you know, with the companies that are trying to reestablish the office, uh, there's a lot of pushback from the employees. Uh, and, yeah. uh, and uh, you know, and it's tough to get talent, to, tough enough to get talent today. Um, you know, you don't want to have 
or create any other barriers. So, um, like I said, I, I see DOD is going to continue to, to embrace it. Um, there's no doubt. Well, and the technology is there now, right? With the yep. cross domains technologies, they've just made leaps and bounds in the last, what, 20, 25 years. And mm-hmm. so it, it enables that. It sure does. Yeah. Just as, you know, as an example, my, my son is actually, he's an Air Force officer now. He's at the office um, and uh, Air Force Base. And uh, he works remotely, you know, three or four days a week. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. They'll continue to embrace. All right. Well, I'm going to jump us down to our tech talk questions because I we're beaten, time's beaten us as usual. So mm-hmm. some quick you know, quick answer questions. I'm always looking for new stuff to read or watch mm-hmm. <laughs> or listen to. So I want to know what's inspiring you these days. And it doesn't even have to be inspiring. It can just be what's entertaining you these days. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, during the pandemic, I started listening to a lot of podcasts, uh, and in particular Dateline. Um, really? Just, I've never, I didn't realize they even had a podcast. They do. Yeah. So, well, they, I think they take all of their episodes and put them on a podcast. So uh-huh, it's, uh, okay. yeah, yeah. So it's, it's just, it's super entertaining for me. Uh, and, um, and so I did a, a lot of listening there. Uh, as far as, you know, books are concerned, I, I love the James Patterson, Alex Cross books. Uh, you know, I, I can't, it's unfortunate he only produces one per year, right? Because I, I chew them up as soon as they come out. Um, but those are, uh, those are fantastic to read. You know what? I need to go back to him. I haven't read him for a while. I just read one that was recommended by one of our past guests called Game Changer by Douglas Richards, I think. And it was really fascinating. It was about like matrix learning, like just download to your brain, you know, whatever. I know Kung Fu now, you know, seriously. So it was really interesting. So, okay. Um, What, if you could wave your technology magic wand, Mm -hmm. what would you wave into existence? I mean, like space is the limit here. Anything. You know, I, oh yeah, I'll give you a somewhat sarcastic answer. A friend of mine told me years ago, apps are going to be very, very important and popular. And, uh, you know, of course, I thought he was crazy. Um, and now the world is run by applications, right? Yes. So um, I, I just think the, you know, the ability to produce the application that uh, you, you or I need to do whatever it is that I want to have done um, would be kind of cool, right? Um, rather than, you know, have to wait for somebody else to do it for me. Um, Wait, um, so you could just snap your fingers and say, make me this app? Yep. Yeah, so yeah. do you have an app that you need? <laughs> uh, you know, there's always, uh, you know, if you just look like, you know, if you think about like, you know, traffic, right? I, I Now I know Waze, you know, has yeah, uses yeah. crowdsourcing and all that, but um, there's still a lot of gaps. And I'd like to fill those gaps <laughs> when I think about them rather than have to wait uh, <laughs> for somebody to... Uh, to, to also think about it and uh, and put it in the application. And become rich off of it. Okay, <laughs> I'm with you. All right, do you have a favorite movie series or movie? Um, yeah, I do, but it's not going to align with what you're, 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 I think you're asking, which, which it's is It's okay. More- like Mark likes to mess with me and make our guests choose between Star Wars and Star Trek. And that is mm-hmm. not okay because you shouldn't have to choose. You don't need to go down that sci-fi like path. Just any any movie, anything that you enjoy. Yeah, you know my favorite's John Wick. 
So the John Wick you know, series. Which is fascinating because I watch those and I, I too am sucked in by them. And I'm like, why? Why He's do you love them so much? He's an, He's an underdog. That's why. Right. And I, I tend to root for the underdog. So, uh, you know, the deck stacked against him. He's trying to do the right thing. Uh, people get, keep getting in the way of that. So I think that's, uh, that's why I'm drawn to it. Yeah, man, the way the last one ended, we won't, we won't do a spoiler, but I was just like, where's it going to go now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, do you like sci-fi? Do you have any sci-fi favorites? I do. You know, it's, uh, and I know you, uh, Mark tries to make you choose between Star Wars and Star Trek, right? I'm going to say Star Trek. Cool. Star Trek, you know, and for me, because mm-hmm. to me, Star Trek has gotten better and better over time, right? And Star Wars had a couple of setbacks. I know. <laughs> I know. Let's not talk about that. But have you watched Picard? No, I have not. Not yet. No. I, I mean, I love Patrick Stewart, right? Jean Luc Picard. He's like my captain. So now Admiral, if I really enjoyed the season, there's two seasons now and I really liked it. So, all right, Bob, thank you so much for taking time today to share um, your insights. Thanks to our listeners for joining us. Please visit the show notes for links to all the topics that we discussed today. And we want to thank our sponsor, Dynatrace. Visit Dynatrace.com to learn more about how you can digitally transform faster, smarter, and easier. Please um, give us a review, share this episode with your friends. Um, And Bob, I want to give you the last word, actually. Is there anything that you would like our listeners to go listen to or any articles that you've put out recently that you would point our, our listeners towards? Sure. Um, We mentioned this earlier, right? I mean, there's a GitLab is a a very transparent organization. There's a lot of data, um, you know, about running a remote uh, company uh, and all of the lessons learned. So I would encourage uh, listeners to go to our website uh, and uh, and find just uh, a lot of data um, that may help them in their journeys. Yeah, you know, and I I'll say I'm going to go look at that because here's a teaser for an upcoming episode. Me and one of my guest co-hosts, Tracy Bannon from MITRE, that, that is our next topic. Just, you know, remote work, moving back to the office. What's it going to mean? What's it going to look like? So I'm really excited to go talk about that resource. So thank you so much, Bob. Thanks for joining Tech Transforms. Please post a review, share this episode, and follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter. 